Stand with us as we open in worship. Jesus saves. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward tis our Lord's command. Jesus saves. Sing above the battle strife, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, by his death and in his life, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, see it's all through the gloom, when the heart for mercy craves, sing and triumph for the tomb. Jesus saves, Jesus 
Jesus saves. Amen. Good morning, Sunset Hills Baptist Church. How are we doing this morning? Yes. Amen. Hey, y'all can have a seat just for a moment. It's so good to have you in the house of the Lord this morning. If you're here, if you're joining us on our live stream, we're so excited to be together worshiping the Lord. We had a great week this week at uh, Center Kid Camp. We had a a good group of six kids go this week. We want to share with you just a little bit, just a small picture of what happened in the video here.
Amen. That was a, a wonderful week, and there's not enough time to share with you all the things that God did in our kids' lives and in a lot of the, the lives of a lot of the kids this week at Center Kid. We want to thank you guys for praying for us. We know that there was a lot of prayer warriors back here praying for the hearts of everyone involved, from the staff to the kids. Um, I want to also take this opportunity to thank all the great staff at Center Kid. They, they were uh, just energy, energy from 6 a.m. To, to 10 p.m. every night. Uh, Cindy Allenball was our other counselor that went. She's right over here. Cindy, could you stand just for a moment, please? Show her your appreciation. She poured into the girls, the, the, two, uh, the two girls that we had, which were just balls of energy as well. That was another answered prayer that we had a second girl sign up the day before camp. We've been praying for another girl to join us, and the day before camp on Sunday, she signed up, and she had a marvelous time as well. I also want to thank my wife, Rose, for, and my family for taking the, uh, taking the task of taking three boys for a week. Um, you know, we, we talk about kids getting saved and we pray that kids come to know the Lord, but just as important is what happens after they accept the Lord, that they plug in somewhere and they get to know a church. And this week, we really looked at things about God, that God is a big God, he's a creative God, he's a, he's a reconciling God, and he's a God that does a lot more things for us. Um, we had a lot of testimonies from the kids this week about things that God showed them and that they learned and that's specifically what God was saying to them. Um, and so um, I want to invite, if they want to come up right now, Owen, do you want to come on up and share one thing that you liked about camp? Addie, you can come on up as well. If Chloe's, is, is Chloe, I don't think Chloe's here this morning. I don't see her. Um, and then Kevin was with us as well. We talked about it. I'll tell you, one of the biggest things was Addie right here on the first day of camp Monday, I did not set any rules because I had forgot to on soda. So Monday night, she comes to the dinner table. She's got this big thing of soda right here, and she looks at it with these big eyes, and she says, my mom would never let me have this for dinner. <laughs> so so there, was some, there, was, there was a, little bit, of a little bit of flexibility this week, but then we laid down some rules. What was one of your favorite parts, Owen? Um, I really loved the food. It was incredible. It was amazing. Cumberland had some great food, didn't they? Addie, what was one of your favorite parts about camp? Air conditioning. Air conditioning. And if we were going this week, we'd really be praying for that. Give these guys a round of applause, man. They just, they made it a great week. They learned even more about God's grace. And no matter what we've done, his grace is always greater than what we've done. It's greater than our sin. Worship team. Amen. Amen. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on with the Hearn house. I mean, they don't let the kids have air conditioning. She doesn't cook. I, mean, I have to go away to camp for that. So. You guys... Stand with us. No sodas. Stand with us as we uh, continue to worship him. Grace greater than our sin. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt.
so humbled when we think about your goodness Lord and, and just how undeserving we are but God you saw value in us but God you gave the greatest thing that you knew to give that was your son Jesus so Lord this morning as we continue to worship you through spoken word God I just pray that you anoint Pastor Frank and Lord let him speak to our hearts this morning and God let us not be Lord, where um, we wouldn't receive your word, but that, God, we would, um, God, we would receive your word and that, God, we'd be obedient in the ways that you call us to. As we go about this day and, and this time of worship, Lord, just pray, God, that we would appreciate all of your goodness, all your blessings, not take those things for granted, and that an, our natural response would want to be to worship you. In your holy son's Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. And it's we good. 
hear myself up here. Do you hear me out there? You hear me? Let me have a... We've done some switching up. Hey, good morning, Sunset Hills. It's good to see you this morning. I, uh, most of you know that I had some surgery this past week, and people say, wow, what happened to your arm? And I say, well, I had surgery on my eye, so go figure that out, right? So it's, it's kind of strange. They took a tip and they uh, placed it in my eyelid. How about that? Isn't it cool what they're able to do these days in medical science and making things happen? So I was my own donor for the tendon. Uh, Richard Center was telling me this morning that when I moved my hand, my eye was going to blink. I, I thought that's pretty funny, right? Yeah. I don't know about the support from a deacon over that, but you know, it's, uh, at any rate. It, I did not know what kind of shape I was going to be in this morning when I came, uh, when I was going to be in surgery, when I had surgery on Monday, and I decided early on that. I just needed to have someone to come in and fill the pulpit because I probably would have looked like a monster up here. If you'd seen me first thing this morning, you would have seen my eyes swollen shut. It's gotten better as the day goes on. So I decided that I would just make a, uh, send a text to uh, someone that, that had filled in for me and you guys came to love him very much. And I sent a text to Frank and he immediately got back with me and said that he'd be honored to come and speak this morning. So I am grateful for Frank Lewis. I'm grateful for the time that he filled in for me back when I had my heart surgery back at the first of the year and that he was willing to come this morning and, and also preach to us again today. Anyways, uh, Frank Lewis this morning. Thank you, my brother. Bless you. Well, good morning, Sunset Hills. It is a joy to be with you today. Uh, Lori and I are always uh, excited about the opportunity to come and worship with this church family. Uh, you have become such a special uh, part of our journey, and we uh, just couldn't wait to be here this morning. So thank you for this high privilege to step into this pulpit. Uh, I love Steve and Lynn, and uh, the Lord continues to bless this church through their ministry, and we are so thankful. We continue to pray for you, uh, especially as all of us are going through the adjustments of living in our world today. You know, every morning I start off, uh, my routine is pretty simple. I get up uh, but usually before the sun and I am in my study. Uh, I have a time set aside for some personal Bible study. And this year I'm going through a little book. Uh, it's 52 devotions. And so I get to spend an entire week with one passage of Scripture. That's a little different than the way I have done my devotions in the past, but this year I'm finding that to be a very, very rich experience. Uh, I dig in deep to one passage of Scripture, and I see it all week long. I look at it through the lenses of several different commentaries and Bible study uh, helps that I have. Um, and today, as I'm standing before you to preach, I want to share 
from one of those devotions that I went through just a couple of weeks ago. It's found in the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, and I'm going to be looking this morning with you. If you have your Bibles or if you're at home listening in, I hope you'll find uh, your Bible and a notebook. I'm going to give you several things today to think about that I think will be encouraging and helpful to us. This is an, uh, an incredible part of God's Word. As you know, uh, the book of Romans is a, a very theologically heavy book uh, from the Apostle Paul. It doesn't tell necessarily a story. There's not a narrative. We're not going to see the miracle stories and things like that. But we're going to see Paul opening his heart uh, as the Holy Spirit of God breathes his word through the Apostle Paul to you and me today. It's an incredible text. And so I've titled the message today, Since We Have Been Justified. The word justification, an important word. Some of you no doubt have heard this before and learned it perhaps even as a child that the word justified means it's just as if I'd never sinned. And that's good news for us. When God looks at us, he looks at us just as if we'd never sinned if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, let's look at a a little technical definition as we get started today. Justification is the mighty act of God by which he declares sinful people not guilty but righteous instead by imputing the perfect righteousness of Christ to them. Now, that's wordy, but it, 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 it involves some things that are significant for us today as we think in terms of what this great doctrine of justification means. That God looks at us, he declares us innocent, um, he imputes, which is a, a, a very important word, he, he puts Christ's righteousness in our place. Now, uh, we might ask the question, why is justification necessary? And we'll give you three quick reasons. Each of these come right out of the book of Romans. So Paul is writing this uh, today, and he starts off with that word, therefore. And when we see therefore in Scripture, we know it points backwards. So in chapters 1 through 4, Paul has told us, all have sinned, all are guilty. That's one of the reasons we need to be justified. A second reason is we deserve God's wrath. Now, God's wrath is his righteous wrath. It is his right to punish sinners. And so it it is a righteous thing. It doesn't mean uh, anything about the character of God except that that, that God is holy and that he will uh, punish sin. So uh, we deserve God's wrath. And, And the third thing that's a reminder to us is no matter how good you are and no matter how hard you try and no matter what you would seek to do to earn your salvation, you and I have the same common characteristic. We cannot save ourselves. 
There's no way in the world we, we couldn't get good enough. We can't read enough books on uh, being good or being righteous. There, there's nothing in us that is good. Scripture teaches that. Paul has made that case very clear in the book of Romans in these first four chapters. And now he's telling us justification is necessary. God's got to do something for you and for me that we could not do for ourselves. And he did that through Jesus' death on the cross. Now, God does two things in the act of justification. First, he forgives our sin, declaring us not guilty. So this is courtroom language. You and I one day will stand before a holy God and it's just like we are standing before a judge in a courtroom and the charges are read against us. And you know what those charges are? It, it, it would be like every single thing you've ever done wrong, okay? And so we're standing there before a holy, righteous judge, God, and all of our charges are now laid out before him in a legal proceeding, and, and then... Uh, a miracle takes place. We have a court-appointed attorney, somebody representing us, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so when the judge asked that question, how do you plead? Jesus Christ comes right up in our place and he says, you know, I remember back on August the 12th of 1974 that Frank Lewis trusted me to be his Lord and Savior. And so, Your Honor, he is no longer guilty of these charges. Now, not only not guilty. Look at the second thing up there. He imputes the perfect righteousness of Christ. What does that mean? Jesus says, and I took his sin and I exchanged for him and gave him my righteousness. Let me ask you something. Did Jesus ever sin? No. Did Jesus ever do anything wrong? Was there ever any rebellion that Jesus demonstrated towards his Father God? No, of course not. So when Christ imputes his righteousness to you and to me, it means that as we are standing there one day face to face before God, God looks at us and not only does he see that the guilt has been taken away, but also the righteousness of Christ has been placed on us. We stand in that. That is great news. Now, a couple of things that I have just kind of some, some notes on the side of this. Christ has borne the punishment for us so that we are no longer under condemnation. And God imputes or he credits Christ's righteousness to us. So it's accounting language there. When you think about the word impute or imputation, it, it is accounting language. God has, has adjusted the books. And when you look at the 
the balance and the debits and, and everything that, that's in there, the, the, uh, uh, the issues that, that would be there, Here, here's our expenses and, and here's our income. Uh, God has this incredible math formula and he has credited Christ's righteousness to you and to me. That's great news. So let's look at the text, Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That word peace, such an incredibly important word. It doesn't just have the idea that life is calm, there's no storm, there's no problems for us. It doesn't mean that at all in this text. In this text, the word peace means that the relationship has been restored. You see, sin interrupted that relationship. It broke the fellowship. But God, who is rich in mercy, restored that fellowship. He made peace with us through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. So peace, very important word for us. It's one of the benefits that you and I have of justification. Verse 2 Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope, uh, excuse me, we rejoice uh, in the hope of the glory of God. So, three key phrases here. We have obtained access. That's, that's an important little phrase, obtained access. Have you uh, been on your computer sometime recently and been told access is denied? Yeah, yeah. And you have to remember your password. And you can't remember if it's your mother's maiden name or if it's your birthday backwards or, you know, your phone number from your first girlfriend or whatever it was. You can't remember what you put in there. And so you'll do all these things and you'll try. And and all of a sudden it says uh, you've tried three times and therefore we are alerting the computer police and you will never be allowed access to these files. Well, sometimes it feels that way, doesn't it? You know what this is? This is temple language. We have access. We have an invitation. Do you realize what an incredible privilege it is to gather together with God's people on a Sunday morning? Well, of course you do because you're here. Do you realize what an incredible privilege it is that we have access in our quiet time, our personal Bible study time. Uh, we have access to God anytime we need Him, 24-7. He is always there. He is always ready to hear us. As His children, we have gained or obtained this access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Aren't you thankful for grace? We sang about grace this morning. Amazing grace. It's, uh, there's God's saving grace. There's God's keeping grace. There's God's uh, protecting grace. There are traveling graces that we pray for sometimes for uh, people that we know who are about to go on vacation or uh, travel home. Uh, there, there is dying grace that you and I will face one day and experience when we stand uh, at that point in life where we are uh, about to make that transition but you know what I love this there is standing grace 
You know what standing grace is? It means that no matter the difficulties, you and I are going to be able to stand. It means that no matter what the enemy does as he tries to attack and criticize and discourage and uh, knock us off track, you and I can find standing grace. We have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So we're not going to get knocked over. And we rejoice in hope in the glory of God. I think that this it's important to recognize this hope that's spoken of in this verse is the hope of heaven. There are lots of different things that you and I hope for. Uh, I hope for cheaper gas one day, don't you? My son, son communicated with us yesterday. You may have heard this somewhere. I'm going to quote him. I just thought it was great. He said, uh, gas is higher than a Snoop Doogie Dog. And, and I think that's probably true. You know, gas prices are just, they're, they're just way up there. And I'm hoping one day that that won't be the case. Don't you hope that there's going to be the end of a war in the Ukraine? Don't you hope one day that the drug addict is going to find clean and sober time and, and he's going to embrace that? We, we, lost, we lost a dear friend over the summer since I was here with you last. Um, my, my grandson's father uh, died of a heroin overdose uh, just, just about four weeks ago. And I had prayed so long, so hard, that Mike would find sobriety, that he would find clean time, that he could be a dad again. But drugs take that away. I, I, I hope that there's going to be changes, don't you? Well, what this text is saying is that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I think Paul is saying we've got heaven to look for. We've got this access into uh, faith right now with this grace that God gives us, and we can rejoice because no matter what happens, heaven's promise. Look at verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Now, I know that don't you wish that were not written down like that? You would love to have endurance without suffering, wouldn't you? But think about Paul and Silas, beaten, uh, busted lip and swollen eye. And at midnight, they're, in, they're thrown into the inner sanctum of that prison with all kind of prison guys around them. And what does Paul, what, what, what do Paul and Silas start to do? They, they start to sing hymns and they pray. And scripture says that all the prisoners were listening and there's a church revival service going on. Why? Because Paul had learned that he could endure from suffering. He'd been trained through other suffering so that when that moment of suffering came, he knew he, he's going to honor God in this. I, I wish you and I could always remember that. I, I wish I could always remember that. Verse four, and endurance produces character and character 
produces hope so that endurance of Paul uh, that's that's why he and Silas were probably uh, respected the moment they walked in there people could see there's something different about these guys their character is different and not only that the character that they have produces this kind of hope to keep on going Uh, you can look at Acts chapter 16 verse 25 and and you can maybe read that entire chapter later to get the idea of what Paul and Silas were experiencing and how God used them there the value of perseverance is that it develops character to illustrate this again look at the Old Testament story of Job And Job sensed that the perseverance that he was going through, that he was showing in the midst of his trial, Job said, when God has tested me, I will come forth as gold. He understood that. And the image there, of course, is the, uh, the artisan who, who takes uh, gold and, and they're melting it down. And as they're melting it, the impurities come to the top and they have to get burned off. And the, uh, the, the, the artist understands, he knows that when he can see his reflection in that gold, that all the impurities have been, have been burned out and, and the gold is ready. And Job understands that. Yes, there are going to be persecutions. Yes. Yes, there are going to be hard times to endure. Yes, there are going to be things that just would threaten to undo us. But we hold on because we believe that God is at work in the midst of those things to reveal his character uh, through us. Uh, Verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame. Some of your translations might read, hope does not disappoint And it's the same kind of idea there. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Now, a couple of things that I think are important to notice about verse 5. Paul says some curious things about hope when he says that it doesn't put us to shame or that it doesn't disappoint us. Many things in our life are going to disappoint us. You've been disappointed by people. You've been disappointed when you go to a restaurant that you've heard about and the service isn't good or the food's not good. You've been disappointed when you hear that, oh, you've got to go see this movie and you go and and it feels like a waste of your money and your time. You've been disappointed at work. You've been disappointed by sometimes uh, even people within your church family. You've been disappointed sometimes by those that that should have been close and should have been counted on. But God says, I will not disappoint you. The hope that God offers will never disappoint because it rests not on human potential or ability. It rests on the faithfulness of Almighty God and God's love. And so you and I can have this kind of hope. I love verses 6, 7, and 8 as we read them together. For, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Um, Verses 6, 7, and 8, we find God describing us in four different words. 
The first is the word weak. Now, he's not really talking about your physical weakness here. He's talking about kind of the character weaknesses that we have. And in this, he says, you know, none of us are strong enough to always make the right kind of decisions that honor God. He uses the word ungodly, and and that's a pretty obvious word. Uh, It it means that you don't reflect the character or uh, the nature of God in any way in your life. He uses the word good, and some of us are pretty good. Uh, I used to be pretty good in martial arts. That was kind of the sport that I followed as a kid, and I have gold medals to show for it and that kind of stuff. That was a long time ago. You give me about 30 minutes to warm up, and I might could handle one or two of you, but you know, there was a time when, when I, was, I was really, really good at that. But I realized that there was always somebody just a little bit better. And when you think about being good enough to go to heaven, what if God graded on a scale? Do you know anybody who's just a little bit more good than you? I mean, it would be just my luck to be in line right behind Billy Graham. You know, I wouldn't stand a chance. Neither would you. Aren't you glad God doesn't grade on a scale? He calls us sinners in this passage. And we understand what that means, that we have missed the mark. We've, we've not lived a life that was perfect or that was righteous. Verse 9 and following, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. All right, so here's some little technical terms here, but, but you'll get this. What Paul is doing is he's arguing from the lesser to the greater. He says, we once were enemies. That's lesser. But now that we've been justified, we're friends with God. So because God used to treat us with love and compassion when we were his enemies, how much greater now is God going to treat us that we've been reconciled, that we've been justified? If God loved us when we were enemies, now that he has made provision for us at infinite cost through his son, Jesus Christ, much more will he go on to see us through to the final goal of our salvation. Can anything separate you from the love of God? No. Paul said, absolutely not. 
And so if nothing can separate us from the love of God, trials, uh, difficulties, hardships, uh, the the things that you and I are going to face that he outlines in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, then one day you and I are going to stand before a holy God. And you know what? If we gave our heart to Jesus Christ then no matter what, when we stand before God in that day and time, God's going to look at us and he's going to see the righteousness of Christ, our sins forgiven, and he's going to welcome us home. And this is what Paul is saying about the importance of justification. So what God has done, you can list this. Uh, I, I think this is a, a pretty easy way to look at what we've seen not only this morning but in the book of Romans uh, thus far God has initiated atonement Uh, in other words he's made a sin substitute for you and me Jesus Christ took our place and he died on the cross where you and I should have been and that act alone of what Christ did uh, atoned for our sin He grants justification. He declares us not guilty. He establishes reconciliation. He offers us his peace, peace with him. He promises hope, which is heaven. And all this God does on the basis, uh, misspelled that one, uh, does this on the basis of his free will and grace. You see, God, God doesn't uh, wait on us to manipulate him as if that was even possible. But instead, God who is rich in mercy, God who is gracious, God who is kind, God who doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, God does this uh, freely and, and because he is a God of grace. And then here's the important, here's the application for each one of us. The appropriate response of the reconciled community is a life of praise, it's a life of worship, it's a life of gratitude, it's a life of obedience. Man, we can't wait till Sunday comes. We want to be gathered with God's people. We want to be in the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to spend my life in any other pursuits. One day in his presence is better than a thousand elsewhere. Do you believe that? And so here we have the opportunity to gather and to to praise, to worship, to express gratitude, to practice acts of obedience, to love one another, to serve others because of what Christ has done on our behalf. Justification grants a status that cannot be lost. That is tremendous news for us. Luther, um, Martin Luther, uh, shared years ago about uh, the question that came up between what was written in the book of Romans and what was written in the book of James. The book of Romans says that you and I will be justified because of our faith. The book of James says that in order to demonstrate that we really have faith, we're going to do acts of justification. So which is it? Well, Paul is, Paul is using a different idea of the word justification than James is. But the idea is, is, is really quite simple. There's something called 
alien justification. That just means that from another source, you and I were justified. God is that source. Jesus Christ is the means. You and I are justified. We are, we are made right with God. And then there is actual justification, which is because we've been saved, because we've given our heart to Christ, because we've been justified, and, and we have this uh, peace with God and this access into grace which, uh, in, in which we stand, and we have the hope of heaven that we rejoice in. Because of those things, we then have the privilege of, of doing acts of justification, of demonstrating, loving, encouraging, helping others, serving as a church family. Martin Luther's sweet exchange prayer um, is, is something that he penned to try and describe this. You, Lord Jesus, are my righteousness, and I am your sin. You have taken on yourself what you were not and have given to me what I am not. I want you to practice this prayer with me. Let's, let's say it out loud together. You, Lord Jesus, are my righteousness, and I am your sin. You have taken on yourself what you were not and have given to me what I am not. This week, I challenge you to make that a prayer in your quiet time every single day as you think about uh, the justification and the gift that God has given to you. He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. That's what Paul meant in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Well, let me close with this. There are two ways that you might have a right standing before God. There are two. The first one is you live a perfect life. Okay? If you can live a perfect life, then you'll have a right standing before God. Uh, you can't criticize your spouse. You can't yell at your kids. Kids can't yell at your parents. Uh, you, can't, uh, you can't go 71 in a 70-mile zone. Sorry, can't do it. Can't go 40 in a 35. You have to be perfect. Anybody here qualify? Mm-mm. So what's the other way? How are we going to have a right standing before God? One day, you and I will stand before God and we'll give an account of everything we've ever done. How are we going to be able to do that? Well, by faith, we confess our sin. We trust what Christ has done on our behalf, period. That's it. You'll stand before him the charges will be read. How will you plead? And if you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, he will stand in your place 
and he will say, my righteousness is on this person. This person trusted me to be Lord and Savior of their life. And if you don't ask Jesus to come into your heart, into your life, be your Lord, be your Savior, if you don't do that, then you will stand and give an account for everything you've ever done. In just a moment, we're going to sing an invitation hymn. The altar at this church is always open. It's ready for you to come and to share your prayer burden. It may be praying for someone else. It may be asking God to do something in your life. For those of you that know Christ as your Savior, this is a good news message because it reminds us of the praise and the worship and the gratitude and the obedience that we can live because of what Christ has done for us. Let me pray for us and then you'll respond to this invitation. Lord God, thank you for what your word has to say about justification. God, it's not just um, something that we would want to see in the passage or somehow work into the text. God, it is clear. It is right there. Because of your grace and your mercy and your kindness, God, you've been so extravagant to us. God, if there's anybody here that doesn't know Christ as their Savior today, would you, would you move them by your Holy Spirit? Would you convince them of the truth of this passage? And would you, would you let them come and speak to their pastor about what it means to trust Christ? And God, would you please continue to do a great work in the life of this church as you have done for so many years. God, would you continue to encourage and empower and strengthen and help this church, encourage uh, the, the staff of this congregation, encourage their deacons, their leaders, their, their Sunday school teachers. God, would you continue to just let them know that, that you have your hand on this body of Christ. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for this all. In Jesus' name, amen. Who has the power to raise the dead? And who can save us from our sin? He is our hope, our righteousness. Jesus, only Jesus.
exactly what you've done for us we don't have the words at best we try to speak it in our hearts or in our minds or in our songs yet that you would send your son so that we can be justified with you so we can be found righteous oh God thank you thank you there are that massive amount of love that was shared with us. And I pray, Father, that that love has touched every one of us. And if there's one here that's yet to experience that, to let them know that it's available just simply by saying yes as, as my Savior and as my Lord. Pray that this week will not go by without someone giving their life to you that's heard the message today. Thank you for your messenger. And may it just penetrate our hearts so that it moves us, not just to be saved, but moves us to appreciate the salvation that you've given to us. And that we too would be so joyous about it that we can't help but tell others about the love of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. You're going to talk about camp this week? I would week? love to talk about camp this week. So um, I just want to take a moment and thank you in advance. Uh, in the morning at 7, we're going to be gathering with uh, several students. About 20 of us will be heading to the Black Mountains of North Carolina. And uh, Matchless One is the theme for this week uh, for Lifeways Centrifuge. And uh, we're just super excited um, about the opportunity that we have to be intentional about Jesus, and that was only made possible because of the way that you have uh, stepped in and helped our students to get there. Um, as you know, uh, gas prices are, are higher right now than Snoop Doggy Dog, and um, I learned that this morning. So uh, I'm glad that we had dismissed our kids. You're really, you really sharp on the jokes. This that would have been I mean, a really. tough conversation at lunchtime for some of our kids. <laughs> Uh, but no, it's going to be a really great time. Our students are super excited and uh, just so thankful and grateful for you uh, for, for the way that you have always loved our students. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to an amazing report next week. Yeah, I want you right now just to commit to pray for our students. If you will take time this week and uh, daily and maybe multiple times a day, if you'll just do that, would you just raise your hands right now to pray for our students? Okay, and every hand ought to be up. You ought to be praying. Lord, just use this week to do an incredible thing. And I'll list their first names on Realm uh, before we leave so that you uh, can call them by name. Good, good. And would you like us to pray for you as well? I'm going to list my name too. I need prayer. <laughs> That's enough back there, okay. And all the church said. Amen. Frank, thank you so much. Lori, thank you for being here today. Do you express your appreciation to uh, Frank? Wednesday morning, 
We'll be having prayer meeting on Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock, 10.30 at 10.30, and then again at 6. If you would like Hi, to good come morning. here this is Kelly. I want to and pray with others as well attended, I appreciate the prayers that you pray for me this week, and always pray for me and our family, but pray we pray for others as well. So we invite you to come here a part of our prayer sessions on uh, Wednesday morning and Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday evening, okay? Would you please stand as we will... Hey, you know what? Can we do it? Let's just sing the doxology. I love, we did that a few weeks ago. Let's do it again. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him above, here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615 776 1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope, and you and I we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.